0: Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. A sixth bus carrying illegal immigrants detained at the southern border left Texas and arrived in Washington, D.C. late on Sunday. In a statement, Texas Governor Greg Abbott had confirmed the bus was en route to the nation's capital. Abbott says it must be done this way due to what he describes as the Biden administration's mismanagement of illegal immigrants pouring in from Mexico. The mayor of border city McAllen, Texas, is imploring President Biden not to end Title 42. In a letter to the president, Mayor Javier Villalobos says that although his border city's community is giving, well-prepared, and proactive, no amount of preparation will allow the government to respond to the anticipated surge of illegal immigrants once Title 42 is lifted. The Biden administration reacted to Abbott's busing of illegal immigrants, calling it a publicity stunt. Title 42 is effective until May 23rd. after which the number of illegal immigrants released into the U.S. is expected to double border patrol detained a record number of illegal immigrants at the southern border last month that number included 23 people on the US terrorist watch list the Department of Homeland Security or DHS counted over 221,000 illegal immigrants attempting to cross into the United States from Mexico Congressman James Comer of Kentucky, who serves as the ranking member on the House Oversight Committee, and Congressman John Katko, ranking member of the House Homeland Security Committee, wrote to DH Secretary Mayorkas last month asking for clarification about the current administration's border policies, which allow terrorists to come into the United States. Last month, DHS reported releasing over 80,000 illegal immigrants into the United States. Congressman Andy Biggs represents Arizona's 5th District. He recently had a chance to visit the southern border with many of his colleagues in the House of Representatives. We're happy to have the congressman on to discuss. Congressman Andy Biggs, thank you so much for joining us on the
1: Capitol Report. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Congressman, you represent the 5th District in uh, the border state of Arizona. Uh, you visit the border quite frequently. However, most recently you were there with a delegation of your colleagues, many from non border states. Did those uh, colleagues specifically find it valuable to visit? Yes, I
1: think they did. And the reason that we've taken uh, about 45 or 50 members to, to the border is, is it's hard to conceive of just how dramatic, how big it is, how big the problem is until you actually see it. And so we went from San Diego to Yuma and you see multiple uh, sectors you three, three border sectors um, as determined by the Customs of Border Patrol. And I'll just tell you, um, it is amazing. they come away, their eyes are wide open. they understand more than ever. Uh, The ramifications of continuing to have an open border, and they're resolved to make changes and to evangelize, if you will, uh, around the world, around the country, and and in Congress, uh, of some things that we can do and we must do if we're going to secure the border. Congressman, you
0: touched, you touched upon it, the vastness of the border. What other types of things do you think are, are you're able to see and experience when visiting versus hearing about it in a briefing or watching on the news what's going on there?
1: Well, I'll give you an example. When we, when we got to Yuma, uh, we took a nighttime uh, spin with some border patrol agents, and we just drove on down by uh, one of the open areas. So you've got fencing on either side, but you have an open area. And there were 40 or 50 uh, individuals who had been, who'd come across the border. They were just sitting there waiting to be picked up by, by transport uh, for Border Patrol. Um, but there was no, that transport wasn't going to happen for at least two, two and a half hours. And you had only one Border Patrol agent, just one, uh, that was managing those 50. And so then we went on down about a mile and a half further to another gap in the fence and again you had 40 or 50 people maybe as many as 60 in that group and once again only one border patrol agent still waiting for transport and that was going to be two to three hours off and you when you see that and then and then the next morning you go out and you see that happen again in this exact same locations different people um, and you realize that in the in the few hours before we got there they each each of those locations had processed 200 individuals That opens eyes because you know it's 24-7, and in both of those groups, we didn't have anybody from Mexico or the Northern Triangle states. And in one of those groups, everybody was either from Uzbekistan or Cuba. And so this is not coming through just south of the border. They're coming through that southern border, but they're coming from, last year, 157 different nations. So let me ask
0: you, uh, it's it's being reported that President Biden has already ordered the Border Patrol to begin allowing illegal immigrants into the country by granting them multiple exemptions uh, to the current
1: health regulation. Uh, Is that the case? Yes. Um, I've seen the reports, and I've been told that that is the case that happened um, after we left the border. So we don't know the immediate impact, but we do know that already. Uh, there was an influx, uh, you know, a, a slight surge starting to happen because of the promise of title forty two going away. And this just uh, provides another draw factor. When we were there, it was between eight and ten thousand people a day that we were apprehending. That does not include the people who we don't catch, which is probably another four thousand a day, something like that. Congressman Biggs,
0: uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott is on his, I believe, sixth busload of uh, sending illegal immigrants uh, who cross in Texas and are apprehended to Washington, D.C. Uh, is this achieving the intended effect?
1: Well, I think the intended effect was to actually draw attention to the border crisis as much as anything. And so yeah, the answer would be yes. But I'll tell you one other aspect which we've discovered is that they have, uh, when I say they, the administration has actually tried to move people away from uh, those particular areas, whether it's Del Rio, whether it's uh, La Jolla, uh, Texas, or or uh, over at McAllen. Uh, they've tried to move them over to other areas away from the Texas border. And if that's the case, then other states are going to be inundated. That you're going to be squeezing the balloon their way. But I do think what Greg Abbott's doing, Governor Abbott's doing, is is so important because he's showing two things number 1 that the states do have the can make a difference on this border on this border crisis issue they have to and the second thing is he is drawing attention internationally to the absurdity of the Biden uh, administration and i personally believe that's why they've uh, gone ahead and they're, they're resentful of texas and so they've gone ahead and as you say They've uh, started granting exemptions to Title 42 uh, exclusions from our country. And I think that is purely political and it's cynical and it's dastardly. Congressman Andy Biggs, thank you for joining us. My
0: pleasure, thank you. Florida's Department of Education is rejecting dozens of math textbooks from kindergarten to 12th grade. And officials say the books include indoctrinating concepts such as critical race theory, the department reviewed over 130 submitted textbooks and over 40 percent did not meet Florida's K-12 curriculum standards or contain prohibited topics. Officials rejected the books for including concepts like critical race theory, common core and social-emotional learning in math. About 71 percent of those books rejected were for kindergarten through fifth grade. One of what some might consider a silver lining coming out of the lockdowns and remote learning for children was that it opened the door and shed light on what was being taught in the classrooms. The state of Virginia likely felt the political repercussions of these issues coming to light. Now parents around the country are mobilizing and taking steps to make sure that inappropriate content is not being taught in classrooms around the country. This issue has been uniting parents from both political parties. One of those parents who recently took a leap to get involved is John Aguila of Osceola County, Florida. We had a chance to speak with him a short time ago at an event we were covering. John Aguayla, thank you so much for joining us on the Capitol Report. Thank you very much. Now, John, you are a school board member in Osceola County, Florida, uh, recently elected. Tell us what brought you um, into this service.
2: Well, originally, um, I got in before school boards was at the front of politics, really. And I thought I was going to come in and kind of improve processes and systems uh, from a business background. I had no idea what was waiting for me once I was elected.
0: Now, I mean, how does your average parent who wants to get involved, they're seeing, you know,
2: what's going on out there, and and how
0: would you advise them to to go out and and,
2: and do it? I think the number one thing is to watch a school board meeting, visit your school board, and that will provide you with all the inspiration that any any, uh, person needs to get involved. Uh, five minutes watching a school board meeting and all of a sudden every citizen becomes fired up on what's happening uh, with their kids that no one was paying attention to. So what are some of the major issues that you found were really um, concerning parents? I think the number one thing is we hear a lot about CRT, we hear a lot about uh, books that are uh, very concerning, but the number one thing is a lack of transparency that school districts have with parents. And that's really what's ruined education in the United States. It used to be a teacher and a parent had a great relationship and those that was a team that uh, educated kids. But today what you have is a bureaucratic system, in my case that's $1.7 billion large, and they don't want parents involved necessarily. What they want is the freedom to control education and to control what they're learning and to control the aspects and philosophy of education, um, and that's not necessarily appropriate. Really, the parent is the number one educator for their kids, and it's in partnership with the teacher that they provide a, a, good qual- a good education. But right now, it's about lack of transparency, and that's happening all across the country, not just in Osceola County. Now, when it comes to running a campaign, um,
0: you know, your average parent may not know what to do or where to start, but they want to get involved. So how would you, you know, advise them to, to do that?
2: I would reach out to uh, liberty-minded groups who are interested in education uh, for kids that is effective in terms of intellectual education, not people who are trying to push an ideology on kids, right? And when you find these like-minded groups, Moms for Liberty is a good one, they will help people. Um, You can talk to your parties, but really the parties don't want to get involved in a nonpartisan group or um, it's, it's really about the community, sense of community, and that's why I like Moms for Liberty because it's just a bunch of parents that got together and decided they weren't gonna take this anymore type of thing. So it's really about getting uh, involved, watching a school board meeting, uh, going to, uh, uh, talking with your teachers, finding out what you didn't know that was going on in education, and um, and all of a sudden you become inspired, you meet other people, there's other people that will be at these school board meetings who are really interested and it's just a, uh, it's a powerful environment right now to be a part of.
0: Now is it like traditional politics in the sense where you get out and you start you know canvassing neighborhoods door knocking,
2: um, signage around, how does that all work? Absolutely, it's it's really the uh, uh, small scale, traditional campaigning. Every community is different. In my community, it involved all of that. It involved mailers, it involved uh, signs, it involved uh, knocking on doors, canvassing. Um, so it really involved everything. If you gotta raise a little bit of money, you know, uh, you, there's a lot of involved, and, and you build connections with people who are like-minded and. Um, and then people who are not so like-minded, and then you realize that it's extremely political, and um, you know, it's kind of like baseball, where you have the pros at the very top, and then you have farm teams, and um, I'm kind of like in this, at this farm level, double A ball kind of situation right now, and um, parents, but here's the thing, people are extremely passionate, right? Nobody's gonna go and care so much what the congressman is doing, but when you mess with people's kids, all of a sudden people really come out, and now it's a game where the double-A team, like, my, like me, has more viewers, more people paying attention than people do at the very large levels. So parents are getting involved today like I've never seen, like I've never been involved before.
0: Now, you're relatively newly elected. Um, you went up against an incumbent. So it must have been a little bit of a mental block that you had to beat somebody who was already there. What was your mindset like going into the uh, you know, race?
2: Well, for me, I'm I'm a combat veteran, I um, I have not been too far removed from my service, so I had that mindset that I'm also a very competitive person by nature, so for me it became very personal. I was out there, I was wearing out shoes, I was raising money, I was confronting people who wanted to be involved or who did not want to be involved and uh, really taking it to task. I'm the most right-leaning board member in the most left-leaning district in my county. So people, when, when that situation happens, you know that people are involved at levels that they've never been before. Um, so it's just a matter of working hard, not taking no for an answer, and uh, talking to as many people as you can. John Aguilas, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you very much.
0: I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.